Welcome back to the Natalic Podcast. My name is Rob Thor, and on this special episode, we're talking diversity and inclusion through the lens of both the technology industry and the wider world of business. Now, it's undoubtedly a complex subject, but fortunately, I was joined by two brilliant guests who are doing incredible work through their own initiatives, which you'll hear about in this episode. And both Kaylee and James helped me discuss our first-hand experiences and some of the challenges faced by people of colour and ethnic minorities. But perhaps even more importantly, we also focus on talking about the solutions for individuals and businesses that are looking to contribute towards making a difference. Now, there should be positive takeaways for just about anyone in this show, and that's regardless of your background or perhaps ethnic group that you may belong to, or whether you're looking to start a career and require advice and guidance as a graduate, or even a director or C-level individual that's looking to invoke positive change in their organisation. And we also want to hear from you, so be sure to write to us about both your experiences, as well as any feedback on the episode at podcast.natilic.com. Here's the show, I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome listener. The sun is shining and I'm delighted to be kicking off this series of podcasts focusing on communities and to do so I'm joined on this very special episode of the Natalic Podcast by two incredible guests. So firstly I'm delighted to welcome aboard app development specialist, small business owner, Forbes featured, recognized by multiple publications for a work in empowering unrepresented, underrepresented people, whether it be females or ethnic minorities. Kaylee Oliver, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. Good, 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 good. We've also got with us another guest who's doing amazing things in inclusion and inclusion and equality for young people and businesses in the UK. So speaker, mentor, consultant and CEO of the award-winning Generation Success, James Adeleke. Hello, James. Hey, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Yeah, this is um, this is the great part about being a, a podcast host. This is one of the things that I love the most, speaking to people, whether it's in the technology industry or elsewhere um, about things. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart. So it's um, brilliant to have you both on board for this discussion. So um, as I mentioned, listen, so this is a podcast specifically around one of our communities. So we're going to be discussing uh, matters of inclusion and equality, both in the tech industry and the wider world. And the plan really is just to spread the word about some of the great works that um, our guests are doing, as well as um, some of the stuff that we're doing in Natilic, actually. So whereas normally I would be just the host, I'm actually going to be adding some value this time around and taking a few minutes to talk about my community at Natilic, which I'm just about to launch. Um, so we were discussing just the other day, actually, James. And um, so so I've started a community at Natilic, which is called the Race in Technology Community. And my reason for doing this is that I was quite fortunate to have stumbled upon uh, a career in the in the technology industry, so a quite a successful career, I'd say. I mean, I've been doing this for ten years, and I've, I've managed to not get sacked from any of my posts just yet, um, give or take. And um, I think my 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 problem, I think, stems from just growing up. Um, it was never really talked about IT as a as a viable career or a real option for me. And I feel quite passionately about helping to make sure that other people that might be in my position, so other young people that might have been in the position that I was in, um, do get better opportunities. And when they do join the IT industry, hopefully, um, that there is a platform to help support them a little bit better. So um, to that effect, my my community has three pretty simple goals. So number one, to develop the uh, inclusion and diversity 
not only within the tillic but hopefully within the tech industry as well if i if i could be so bold um to educate and improve awareness of our people at Natilic and again, outside of Natilic too. So on the challenges faced by ethnic minorities and, and people of color, so um, all around the tech industry and working on initiatives that support and advance the representation of those people. So that could be working with organizations like Generation Success and um, you're going to come on to explaining um, sort of what it is, but um, figures of Black British society as well and, and providing platforms for organizations like that, but also for our nominated charity which i know you're also a, a, a chair of kaylee um sort of lignum, lignum vitae club so um they're, they're the three things that we're doing um and i'm in the early stages of establishing that community but we're currently working on a, a few initiatives one with the leadership team at natillic so we're working on becoming a certified b corporation as a motorcycle quite handily cycle comes past my house um we are live, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. Um, but that's gonna be a long process. So so for those of those people that don't know what a certified B corporation is, it's an initiative that allows businesses to commit to a set of goals and responsibilities that support everything from inclusion and diversity to environmental causes and and more and more. And the idea is that rather than leaving the responsibility to the mega corporations and individuals themselves, corporations or companies of various sizes can commit to goals to relate to things like um, the businesses that they partner with and suppliers and even their own internal policies to create a movement that's globally going to result in a larger change by every organization making sort of smaller changes and taking steps towards, um, you know, making the world a better place. So, um, so that's a little look at what I'm up to. Um, watch this space. Hopefully, keep an eye out. I'll be be making a formal uh, a formal launch soon. So that's enough about me. I'm going to come back to our amazing guests, and I'm going to come to you first, Kaylee. Can I ask you to just introduce yourself to the listeners, and let's get to know you a little bit better just to kick off. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, hi, I'm Kaylee. I'm the founder of Junction 5 Studios, which is an app development company with a mission to helping the black community and women using digital solutions. So um, our next project is the FOBS app, which stands for Figures of Black British Society. So I came up with this idea for the app last year, um, about in April, and I was looking to my children, really, um, because we was in lockdown and uh, had them all around. So <laughs> they was constantly giving me entertainment and stress. And, but yeah, as well. <laughs> so um, I I thought, well, what can I do next? Um, I, I was previously working with a, a client on a project called Ashango, which allowed women in Liberia and Sierra Leone to manage their, their money um, that they might not know how to read and write. So I really liked the fact that um, technology was allowing them to empowering them to take uh, take their business into their own hands and not being forced to do something in a way that they wouldn't, it would be alien to them. And this would give them um, independence as well. Um, and it was helping like the black community. So I thought this is, this is really good. And this is what I want to do. I want to use more technology uh, initiatives to help people. Um, and I thought, well, what, what could I do with my kids? Um, It'd be really great if they knew more about uh, their their Black British heritage and particularly Jamaican side um, because they are mixed. And I thought, well, well, like let's have a look at what exists. And while I was looking, there are a few apps available um, and uh, of books, but there was nothing really serving uh, the, the current knowledge that are out there with di different um, 
of different uh, media types. And I thought, well, why not create something myself? And unfortunately, it's uh, it well, it was not fortunately, but it's uh, it's grown into a massive, massive project um, because there's so much to cover. It's going to showcase and highlight the figures of current day and historical um, for Black British origins. And um, as I said, while this is a, a nice little project in my head, it is, as I spoke to more people, um, validating the idea and they're saying it's a great idea and they wish they had it when they were younger um, because there is a gap in our educational system. We don't get taught about this uh, these histories um, as opposed to the American, our American cousins, which is it's ingrained into their educational system. We just don't have that over here. So I thought I could create something that would um, supplement, supplement the, the education we've got at the moment um, because I'm not really convinced that this would be something that would be able to put into uh, the curriculum anytime soon because of how slow we've, we've moved so far since I've been little it hasn't changed really since I was at school uh, which is sad but with technology we can do things like this really quickly so that's why I thought an app would be great um as I said there's been so much support for this app and um I've been speaking to loads of people via LinkedIn and different across different industries and different people and everyone really wants it um particularly speaking to uh, teachers and they are crying out for something like this um because they are aware that there is a gap in the education system but they don't have the time to to look into the work that's needed to make sure that they're serving valid information to children um, and also how to engage the children with it as well. So we want to come up with an app that produces uh, different types of content, um, serves different age ranges as well, um, but different types of content uh, by like VR and using data to serve you uh, information about uh, figures that you would be related to as well in your interests, um, but also using text-to-speech to to sort of make the app more accessible to users of any age and any sort of abilities as well. Um, so we say we're looking to work with teachers um, and we've reached out to a number of schools at the moment. We've got about 47 schools signed up for a trial uh, that we want to wow. launch uh, a beta. Yeah, there's yeah, it's a really big number. We want to try and hit 100 by the beta, which we want to try and do in October this year to align with Black History Month. But uh, And that's about 20,000 students, by the way. Um, so that would be great to have that many users um, straight away to the app to give feedback and just to see it, it working. Um, but yeah, we're doing we're doing all right at the moment. Um, um, and at the moment, I'm just uh, building the app. So we sign up to our mailing list to so get development updates as well. And uh, yeah, you could sign up for the trial. Um, so that's really everything about Fobs, really, and me <laughs> so far. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's like a it's a bittersweet, isn't it? I think because it, it, on one hand, it's a shame that feel like you ha- you're put into a position where you have to do it yourself but at the same time I think it's amazing to see someone taking what they know and using it in a way to give back to other people to be able to hopefully you know somewhat start to address the problem and and that's why I was so excited to get you onto the podcast um so no I think it's brilliant I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing so um yeah keep up the good work and we'll be um we'll be keeping our eyes out on um where you go um 
I'm going to bring James into the conversation now. Um, James, you've got a really strong story, I think, that, that explains uh, why you started Generation Success. And I've heard it a few times. I never get bored of it. Um, I'd like to hear it again, please. Um, and also, um, I think the listeners would as well. So would you mind talking us through your story and what Generation Success is? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my, my origin story is, is this. It, it started after the London riots in 2011, which reminded me so much of... 2020 with George Floyd because in 2011 a, a young black man called Mark Duggan had been shot dead by the police in Tottenham and because of the relationship with the police the local community didn't believe what the police said and they decided to protest and that protest turned into anger and those anger turned into burning buildings and rioting and 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 it spread from Tottenham to different parts of London and in different parts of the country um, and at that time, I was I had gone back to study, and I remember waking up at five in the, or six five six in the morning, turning on BBC News and seeing all this fire and burning buildings. I'm like, what's happening here? And then hearing what they were saying on the TV, which was that our young people were disenfranchised, which is that because we were going through the worst generation, uh, worst recession in generations, um, they didn't have any hope for the future, and and they were saying that we've made a mistake with this generation because of our government costs, austerity, all that type of stuff. But we'll fix the next one. And that really angered me. I remember looking in the mirror thinking, how dare you say that about me? How dare you tell yeah. me that brush? Write them off. And, you know, you know, and I'm not, you know, it's not my fault. I'm born as generation. I'm going to make my own opportunities. I'm going to create my own doors. I'm going to show you that you are wrong about me. And, you know, <laughs> running team here isn't it sort of taking taking matters into your own hands yeah hell yeah hell yeah because we're not defined by circumstances you know life is we are happening to life life is not happening to us and that's the attitude i i take it every single day um but i um haven't hearing that um on the on the tv i went into uni and i spoke to my fellow students and asked them what are their hopes and their dreams for the future they say they want they said they want to get to law but didn't have any skills employers looking for, the contacts, and they felt they had no hope for the future. And that that also kind of angered me because I wanted to just shake them and slap them and say, look, outside is opportunity. You know, like you have the best platform to be our leaders of tomorrow. And if you don't have hope as a leaders, what hope do we have? And then, yeah, anyway, long story short, I left them, ended up speaking to a homeless man who was helping out. He, um, homeless man in Waterloo, there's a charity called Connections who feed the homeless. Um, and he had, they've put him in rehab, got him to sheltered accommodation. And even though he wasn't on his feet, he wanted to get others off the streets. And he ended up praying for me. Yeah, he's, can I hold your hand? Can I pray for you? And I was like, what? <laughs> you want to pray for me? <laughs> and, you know, he prayed for me and the hairs on the back of my hand stood up. And um, I was like, how this man knows what no hope and darkness really means. And he's praying for me. And these young people who haven't really feel, felt what real darkness is, feel like they have no hope for the future. And I basically, I left him thinking, how can I create a solution to feeling close poverty? Because I grew up in a single parent household. And I know what it's like in that area. My parents work several jobs, can't afford to feed their families and pay the rent. And um, and social mobility, giving young people opportunities. Went to bed, woke about four in the morning, ran to my desk. I wrote on a one-page piece of A4 paper a four-year plan and um four-year plan of change how i wanted to change the world around me and just took action and that action has you know taken me now to be being ceo of generation success 
we operate in Ireland and the United Kingdom, working with 65 employers, um, delivering diversity inclusion consultancy, delivering um, learning and development for our young people, upskilling them to become as employable as possible, delivering mentoring, and a fourth pillar is also connecting them to opportunities and jobs. And uh, it's interesting that I, from being a, from a dream and thinking about creating change to the world, I I noted down that within the next 12 months, we are set for our young people to, paid, to be paid a million pounds of salaries um, in the jobs that we're filling. So like 124 jobs on Kickstarter, you know, about, you know, 15 people going into frontline investment banking roles. We've got nine young people going into a summer investment banking scheme. And we've got, you know, four people going into a fintech banking, bank, banking scheme for two weeks. It's like, it's just amazing from a dream to this. Um, and I'm so glad that you invited me on to share our story and our, and our mission to change the world. It's like to have you. It is. Yeah. Like uh, literally living the dream, basically, it sounds like, you know, going from, from where you started. So, um, so that's great. And hopefully sets the scene at least a little bit more for the conversation that we're going to have today. Because um, I wanted to discuss in a little bit more detail um, some of the challenges maybe that, that businesses and I guess people that would identify as an ethnic minority might face. So I guess we can talk about that and then we can maybe talk about the solutions that come next. So I think I'll come back to you, James, actually. Um, you work day in, day out with people in the early stages of their careers, be it, you know, wh- whatever industry, banking, finance, IT, um, whatever it is. I think you're probably well, well, place to talk a little bit more about maybe some of the experiences that you've seen and maybe help to identify as one of those challenges thank you very much yeah I was definitely I'd love to speak about that because funny I spoke about uh, growing up and growing up I saw so much talent being missed out on and it wasn't until I got into this space I realized I learned that um, lost talent social mobility lack of social mobility in our country is is set to cost us um, 140 billion pounds a year uh, by 2050 and that was a report done by the Sutton Trust and as an organization we focus on kind of five key drivers for career success um, or five key drivers that impact people from diverse backgrounds from succeeding and that's not just succeeding at the start of career entering into professions but also all the way through it also this also poses challenges and those five things are kind of lack of awareness of career choices the second is um, networks make connections. The third is soft skills and awareness of emerging codes. The fourth is awareness of employer demands. And the fifth is being missed by recruiting strategies. Now, when I say that, people are like, okay. But what I've learned is I need to teach in parables. <laughs> so an example of one of those um, drivers is, imagine that you go to your, um, nephew, your nephew's house and it's like, Uncle Rob, let's play a game. Let's play a game on a computer game. And, you know, often you'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to play. But then they get you, they're like, oh, let's play. And you know when they say, Uncle Rob, you go first, you're in trouble. <laughs> because you play the game and you ended up just, like, not doing so well. <laughs> and, then, and then your little nephew or niece is like, all right, my turn. And then they just wipe the floor out of you. And the reason why they do that is because you've, you're playing the game for the first time and you don't know what's around the corner. They've played the game a thousand times. They know when someone's going to come across <laughs> behind the walls, in front of them, up and down. And and that is the same thing with with life, um, because we've been being missed, um, 
being unaware of unwritten codes and not knowing about career choices. If you are from a more affluent background where your parents have got the knowledge and experience with those industries you're trying to get into, they've got the connections, they can educate you as to the pitfalls, the unwritten codes. Um, it means that you are already, you've already, you're, you're already prepared to navigate the factors of careers. A simple example is uh, one of the unwritten codes is in some investment backing jobs, if you turn up with a brown brown shoes and a loud tie, you could be the best candidate, and they will automatically automatically dismiss you as being the right wow. thing. Wow, really? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that definitely. And then and the other ones are more subtle. Like a lot of companies are saying, we want you to be yourself when you come to work. We respect yourself. But actually, no one really tells people what that actually means. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, and at the end of the day, we're not. Yeah. Am I turning up in like a Hawaiian shirt this time? Though, <laughs> you know, you know. But the, the facts of the matters is, you know, we're not ourselves even for our own families. And what one of the things we have to realize is, we are social animals, and um, everything we do has a social impact. And unless you've been taught how to navigate that, and you you end up falling, getting in trouble, even though you you're you're doing what they've told you to do yourself that's just an example <laughs> no that's great and i can relate in both elements of you know getting kicked and slapped around by my niece and nephew at video games or also <laughs> you know the, the career choices angle and trying to help you know some of my younger um you know family members um in, in similar situations as well um so yeah um it's really pertinent i think and um I'm going to come to you, Kaylee, as well, actually, because I think as a as a mother of two, as well as a founder of your own company, um, whilst developing an application at the same time, I think you've also had firsthand experience of the technology industry specifically, I guess, because we, we, we share that in common, don't we? Yeah, um, there's been loads of different uh, types of challenges. Um, I want to actually, well, I'll, I'll talk about a specific challenges that I've had um, um like just come returning back um, to the world of work after um, maternity, but I, w- I would want to touch upon something that James said as well. I kept wanting to interrupt that you. I was just like captivated by what you we were saying. Um, so particular challenges I've had, um, uh, well, being like a, a pretty much being the sole black woman in like most of my tech uh, tech sort of working groups. So I've been in companies from like ten to like two hundred. I'm usually the no, I'm I'm only the only black female in those teams usually. So it's it's very hard to to sort of to sort of find your voice within those teams as well. So you, I've sort of learned to just speak up now because if I don't speak up, then I'm not going to be heard, and that's what just my mentality now. So you, but I've been in the game for like over about 13 years, so I've learned to do that. But I can appreciate if someone's just coming into the tech world, you're going to be sort of overwhelmed with uh, a sea of white faces basically and mostly men that you don't that they've own, they've always got their own code and they the way they speak and the way they interact he said there's unwritten codes James there definitely is when you're watching boys just interacting and like I've seen it from university to, just to, to nowadays as well so trying to find your foot in and like your way in um like in meetings just putting your point across is sometimes quite, quite difficult as a female in like the only female in that sort of situation because you're waiting for a breath and to, to like, interject but it doesn't happen and sometimes you then but the the men just sort of like get in it's just weird 
they they just know how to do it but you just don't know how to sort of interject um but so i mean i've learned to sort of navigate that myself through trial and error and just not not caring how i i'm sort of perceived really and i think that's actually worked out well for me i think it's sort of a strength that they they potentially like that i'm sort of open and just say what i think and it i think it actually has helped the products that i've influenced a lot more because i've actually spoken out um but when i changed into my development role i um I sort of learned all the technologies and then I went on maternity leave. So I was really sort of happy. I was like, right, I'm going to go on maternity leave. I've got up to date with everything. Went on maternity leave, had a few keep in touch days, but they weren't really work days. Um, and then came back, um, whole team of change. So the dynamics is slightly shifted. Um, still no other black females on the team. There was one uh, agile coach, but, you know, not no tech people. And then... Um, I realized that the whole tech stack had changed just because it was better for the company. And I was like, right, well, that would have been useful to know, like, as I was coming back. So I could have, I might have been able to do some reading during my maternity leave. I mean, at least if I had the option, I could have, I could have, uh, I could have tried, but it would have been nice not to be overwhelmed. It's not a fault of the company because I guess they, they have never had this situation before, like a female developer going on maternity leave and coming back and the, changing the tech stack because I suppose with with different other areas because I was a .NET developer at the time with other areas like data you don't really change the I suppose the database the technology behind that because it's what your company sits on and you don't really change like SQL doesn't change so the languages don't change that much but I found that the tech stack changed so much that and because I was moving into that role it was there was no not really much support and not really time to train as well because I was in like the team that was uh, sort of building the framework. So I didn't have time to sort of take a breath and train. And I think that's slightly what's missing. Um, I'd like to take yeah. after maternities. So, yeah. Because it's interesting when you say that, the and at risk of being the male <laughs> talking over you, um, the, the exact problem that you were talking about before. Um, I think I was speaking to our women in technology community who um, touch on a couple of uh, issues that you've mentioned there. So number one would be the representation of females in the STEM sector in general um, as well. Um, and we, they actually did a podcast on that, um, sort of asking the question as to whether that could be an answer to the problem of which there's quite a large gap in the cybersecurity space um, and whether those two things can help and maybe, you know, encouraging more females to get involved. So I would encourage listeners to have a, have a listen of that as well. Um, but also the, you know, returning to work and you, and you say that, you know, it's not the company's fault for, um, you know, not, not having done it before, but I guess it's a, you know, it is a, it's not like this problem wasn't something that they couldn't have seen coming. Right. You know, it's yeah. something you back so um it's an interesting one you know i'm not here to throw shade i want to i want to talk about challenges and i want to talk about solutions but um it's a very interesting one and something that i think um yeah we'll 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 definitely hear that um conversation um moving forward i would say too um what, lastly because we are running out of time sorry go on here go on, oh sorry i was gonna um just just plug in something because um so what james was saying about um uh making it sort of making young people aware of um the different areas that are available to them and like having unwritten codes and sort of so that um so what i've what i plan to do with fobs as well not only making an educational resource um because um but it will be an inspirational one as well because they'll be able to see people that look like them within those section in those sectors 
but that's just like the first step once you're inspired to go into those roles what are you going to do with that next so what we're going to do is we're going to have a section um called like the internships which we want to try and talk to companies that are actively trying to recruit um people from ethnic minor ethnic minorities basically and to make sure that they are aware that they have positions available to them because if you don't know about these companies you wouldn't really apply to them and i think trying to get involved with uh, users at the young age that we're sort of trying to help would help them in the long term because if as you, if you're introduced to a company when you're very little that stays with you throughout the remainder of your life and it does open you up to oh yeah maybe i can go to there especially if you know that they have roles for you. So that's what we want to try and do for the young people within the app as well. Um, nice. Just make sure that they have that stepping stone and it opens them up to more opportunities. So it's probably like the first step to what James is doing and then we'll just like shoot him off to Generation Success to get there. I was going to say, yeah, maybe <laughs> like a potential collaboration in the mix. So. Yeah, definitely. You heard it here first, listener. We're uh, not just a podcast. We we make connections. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. I, love, I love it. I love it. I think we're um, we're running a little short on time, so maybe I have to keep it a little bit um, tight. But I'm still keen to talk um, not only about challenges, but also talk about some potential solutions. So I think I'll come to you, James. I know this is a conversation we've had um, in the past just around what, what what do we do next? Or if I'm a listener um, of this podcast at the moment and I'm looking to, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to recruit more or I'm looking to help support, um, just progress the conversation and move things forward a little bit. Um, what can companies do um to, to to help and what what's been your experience um yeah definitely yes so true i mean after working with like ten thousand people work with 250 of the uk's most senior leaders and these companies um the the things i've learned is this so the five drivers which i oh, five drivers which i mentioned <laughs> about um career success they only really count for about 20 percent of what success is like what makes people successful and Within that twenty percent, I also include kind of bias and um, social inequalities and all that type of stuff. The eighty percent is, of course, it's it's kind of values and beliefs. So the key thing is our diverse talent have the right values and beliefs because they are applying to these jobs that are getting into the roles. And the twenty percent is a major factor. Employers have to focus on. Um, on the different touch points in order to create the, the right values and beliefs within their staff. So what do I mean by that? So values and beliefs at its core, it's like um, whether or not you um, you believe that automation technology is a risk to your, to your job or whether you think it's an opportunity. It, it, it means whether or not you see upskilling as a chore or as a way to grow, grow yourself so that the growth mindset aspect. And you'll find that a lot of the young people in our in our in our community have all that. But where the fa- where 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 employers sometimes get it wrong or can improve is understanding that actually there are there are things in place that they can do at every touch point. So the first part is to lay out the candidate journey, and we believe we created a people and experience framework. <laughs> lay out the the candidate journey. And start to factor in all the things that could put someone on the back foot. So as, as KB said, coming back from maternity leave, it would have been good for her to know that there were changes with it, changes to her department. So if she had been told that ahead of time, she would have had more certainty 
when she came into the workplace. Or an example can be um, a candidate is applying, but sees no people that look like them. How can you embed your minority employee networks into the candidate journey so that actually they can start to see that you are an inclusive employer? Um, so the first thing is lay out the candidate journey, start to think about all the things that put people in the back foot. The second thing that's easy to do, just ask. <laughs> so when I say ask, I mean, be careful about you ask, but ask like, how did you find, how did you find the process? <laughs> you know, um, what, what can we improve? Um, what could have made this a better, better experience for yourself? Um, we're not asking you to talk about, you know, speak from a, a black person's perspective, but speak from a personal perspective because everyone's lived experience is very, very different. Um, and often organizations say to us, can you just give us a few policies to change things? And I'm like, firstly, every organization is unique and have, has a different culture. We can give you different um, policies and strategies to do, but when you deliver, when you actually execute them, um, it will fall down when it comes to the people, whether or not they have, for example, in the meetings, it's all about shouting out, <laughs> you know, and not giving space for people to talk. Um, you know, every coach, every company has a different culture and that impacts people's values and beliefs as to whether they can succeed and thrive at that business. Yeah. I'll stop there. <laughs> strong. It's strong. And and I feel upset that I have to cut us short because um I mean, admittedly, you know, we were never going to solve all the problems in a 30 minute podcast, but um, at the same time, I guess we need to draw a line right there, but um, certainly won't be the last time that we um, we speak to you guys. I, I can tell you that much. So um, last thing I think we want to do is just make sure that we give people um, something to action upon. So um, just something to look at. I think I'm subscribed to both your mailing lists. So I'll, um, I'll make sure to include links to both of those in the um, show notes as well. Kaylee, is there anything that you want to plug in terms of uh, events coming up, things that you might want to point towards? I know you've talked about the launch date already and things that you're working towards. but Yeah, uh um, so if you go to www.fobs.uk, um, yeah, as you mentioned, we can sign up to the mailing list. And in our mailing list, we share development updates. But we'll also be doing a uh, a webinar later in June to talk more about FOBS and, and introduce it to more of the educational institutes. So, uh follow that or follow FOBS on LinkedIn or uh, FOBS platform on uh, Instagram as well. And you'll get more information about that. Oh yeah. And one more thing. Um, we are currently looking for sponsorship um, to help us build the VR applications and bring our hidden histories to life. So if you are a company looking to support what we're doing, uh, if you could just uh, contact me via hello at FOBS.UK. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. And um, James, uh, obviously, I know you've got a, a mailing list as well and a couple of events uh, coming up in the near future as well. So do you want to talk about those quickly? I do, I do. Also, I just want to say we are on a mission to actually change society. So, you know, if you're an organization that wants to partner with us, then please do. Currently, we are looking at changing the demographic of two sectors. One is investment banking for our graduate scheme. And the second is sustainability sector for our kind of government Kickstarter program where we've got 124 jobs and commitments to actually hire people, kind of, which is amazing. Um, but in terms of events, uh, we have our conference happening on the 28th of September, looking for speakers um, to, to sign up. And I'm also looking to deliver um, a monthly basis, like a, a drop-in people and experience kind of taster to allow organizations and individuals to become more aware 
as to how they can help drive change within their business. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to have to leave it there, but um, James Kelly, it's been awesome speaking to you. Um, like I said, it won't be the last time. Thank you very much for your time. I'm so sad it's finishing. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for your time, listener. My name is Rob Thor. This is the Natalic Podcast, and we'll speak to you next time. Thanks for listening to NatChat, the Natalic Podcast. Please subscribe to the Natalic Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review while you're there. It really helps us improve and grow the show. Please note that opinions expressed on the Natalic podcast are those of the hosts or our guests, not the organisations that they represent. You can find more information on Natalic on our website, that's natalic.com. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Natalic Group, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. Our theme music was provided by Dan Shaw, who you can find at Danza, that's D-A-N-Z-R, on music streaming services. This is Rob Thor, and thanks again for listening.